And it's from the first chapter, verses 4 through 11. Hear God's words for you. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to Him who loves us and freed us from our sins by His blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, He is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And on His account all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord. God, the one who was and who is and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the persecution and the kingdom and the patient endurance, was on the isle called Patmos because of the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet saying, Write in the book what you see, and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus. This is the word of the Lord. Some of you have heard me say that I was never a particularly good student of math and to a lesser extent of science. Now, I enjoyed my science, but if you got into higher math, I was in real trouble because that was not something I did very well. I've got great respect for those who do. I have an older brother who is a Ph.D. in chemistry and deals with this stuff all the time, but I didn't get that gift. Years ago, when I was still an associate pastor, my head of staff, his name was Ed Montgomery, was expressing some concerns about his youngest son. They had three children. The oldest son was not only a good student, but he was a great athlete. The middle son was a terrific student. Both of them had already headed off to college. I had the younger son in our youth group. And like all dads, he was worried about his younger son. He just couldn't quite seem to find himself. Well, what freshman in high school's ever found himself, for goodness sakes? But Ed couldn't help but worry. Now, it's really hard to turn and say to your boss, which is what the head of staff is, you know, I don't really think you need to worry about him. I think he's going to be okay. Well, parents worry. What can you say? So after a while, I moved on to another church. And this was about the time that Jim, who is the youngest son, or Jimmy as his mother called him, was in his senior year in high school. So I wasn't there to see this happen. But Jim goes off to college and he discovers he likes math. He even likes theoretical math. He ended up as a PhD in physics. You think he got it? <laughs> Now, I don't know very much about physics. I've told you I don't know much about math. But one of the things I do know is that physically, we cannot be in two different places at the same time. Can't do that. That's one of the things that we're taught. 
It's physically impossible and you don't break the laws of physics. Now we all know that, right? We understand the, in the, the physical impossibility and yet there is a sense which in the Holy Spirit we can be transported beyond present circumstance. We may not be able to be physically in two different places at the same time, but we can in some ways achieve that. Now, unless that seems rather metaphysical to me, to you, let me say, in a sense, you do it all the time. You're sitting here in worship on a Sunday morning. If the sermon at this point has become boring enough, <clears throat> you're daydreaming. And some of you are daydreaming about what you're going to do when this is over. You are, at least in one sense, at two places at the same time. Golf course, fishing hole, whatever else it is that you want to do. But that's not exactly what's going on here with John. Here in this post-Easter time, all our lessons tell us that Jesus is always on the move. He's here, He's there. They see Him, they don't see Him. The risen Christ seems to be everywhere at once. The disciples are hiding behind locked doors, but Christ shows up and He's both here and He's there. This first chapter of Revelation is the only time that the lectionary uses this part of Revelation, this first Sunday after Easter. And it is the fellow named John who is imprisoned on the isle called Patmos. And he has a vision. He is not daydreaming during the sermon. He's in the middle of worship. And he says he's in the Spirit. And he, he has this vision of a completed kingdom. It's not where he is right now, but it is where everything's going. He is lifted out of his sad circumstances and all the things that are around him. And he's given this stunning, sweeping view of what is real and what is out there that is beyond our ability to see. And he writes about it using this very coded language of Revelation so, well, frankly, so that the Roman authorities won't know what he's talking about. It's code. There's a good many people who feel like John, when he writes that it's the Lord's Day, you understand what Lord's Day means. Lord's Day is Sunday. Jewish Sabbath is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. We worship on Sunday, which is the Lord's Day. That was what the early church did. Well, there are those who think that what John is experiencing really does take place not only on the Lord's Day, but in the midst of worship. Maybe he was sitting and listening to um, band play on the Isle of Patmos. I don't know. But whatever it was, whatever he was hearing, whatever he was seeing, he feels himself transported. And in that sense, he is two places at the same time. After his greetings and his affirmation, John tells us about that. He says, um, I, John, your brother, who shares with you in Jesus the persecution and the kingdom and 
with patient endurance was on the Isle of Patmos because of the word of the Lord. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and the Spirit said to me, write, and I wrote. Okay, so you can't be physically in two places at the same time as much as maybe you would like to be. We use those adverbs there and here. And when we're there, there becomes here. And when we're here, it's not there. You know, it's that strange conundrum of the way our language works. Maybe sometimes we'd like to be in two places at once. Maybe you've even fantasized about what that might be like. A couple of, well, it was last year, really, last September. Karen and I got on a plane in London and watched the sun rise over London, England. We landed in Charlotte and watched the sun set over North America. Two continents, same day. We do that all the time. We mostly watched the sunset because we were sitting in the Charlotte airport because they canceled our flight home. Yeah, well, we rented a car. That's what you do when they cancel you. That's not the same place at the same time, although if you've flown internationally, and a lot of you have, it sometimes feels like that. But that's the way we feel about the way the world works. But the Bible says that when we're in the Spirit, that it may actually be possible for us to be in two places, two frames of mind at least, at the same time. And here, John is beginning to experience that vision of the resurrected Christ in ways that the world doesn't yet know. Has anybody here ever been to the Isle of Patmos? I never have. It's in the Aegean. We know where it is. But you have to understand that the Isle of Patmos, think of it as being, uh, think of it as being Alcatraz. It's a prison island. Or if you really want to think about it in, a, in the harsher terms it would be, think about it as being the old Soviet gulag. That's the sort of place it was. Today it's a beautiful tropical island. Not then. You got a one-way ticket when you went to Patmos. You didn't get to come back. And that's where John is. It's not the best place. But John notes that he's there because, as a Christian, he was a perceived threat to the empire. But I want to suggest to you this morning that Patmos is not only a place, it's a state of mind. Because we too can be in a place where we're being imprisoned by things we've done, by faults we've had. We too can be on the island prison. Wanting to escape, but not knowing how. Patmos can be a state of mind. And maybe you think that your Patmos is a one-way ticket. Maybe you think you can't get out of it. John's been put there because he's faithful to Jesus Christ instead of to the emperor. He's enduring those harsh demands. I don't know what your Patmos is. I don't know why in your mind you find yourself imprisoned. But John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I was shown that there was more. There's something bigger. There's something grander. There's something more than what I experience today. 
I think in many ways that is the story of the faith. Some of you have probably heard the name of Viktor Frankl. He was a terrific psychotherapist. Eventually settled, I think, in, in uh, maybe someplace in Oklahoma, as I recall. But uh, he endured World War II in a Nazi prison camp place of hard labor where you worked or you died. He says he survived when so many died because every day as they marched him to work, he composed a new chapter in the book he was going to write. Didn't compose it by writing it down. He composed it in his mind. And every day he would go over what he had written and he would begin to work on the next chapter. He says that's the reason he survived his captivity because he believed there was something bigger and more and he put his mind to something else. Two places at the same time. See, John understood, as early Christians do, that we are supposed to be in the world but not of the world. Heard that someplace before? That's a pretty standard Christian admonition. I think in too many ways, we in the modern church are too much with the world. Yeah, it's where we live but we become so invested in everything the world represents that we forget. We forget that we are truly destined for higher things. See, the truth is following Jesus isn't easy. Following the risen Lord is not something that's always and altogether simple. Sometimes it can be very difficult. But the good news here on this second Sunday in Easter is that Jesus can help you be in two places at the same time. Whatever you're in prison, wherever you're locked up, in the Spirit, you can be more. No, we're not talking about it being physical. You know better than that. Maybe you know this experience. Somebody you know, a member of this congregation, we'll say, dies suddenly. Nobody was expecting it. We've had that happen quite a bit, haven't we? And you go to the service and you see the widow, we'll say, sitting there and you know the level of grief she's experiencing and yet do a service with a smile. I've seen it happen. And at the end of the service, somebody says, she smiled all the way through the service. And if you talk to her, she'll say, in spite of my grief, I spent the service remembering how richly I had been blessed by our life together. What a profound sense of not only love in the human sense, but God's ability to take us beyond the present circumstance. It was the Lord's day and I was in the Spirit, John says. And something 
remarkable happens. And I see the world as it's going to be. It's not the world the Romans see. It certainly is not the world the Roman emperor believed he would leave and the legacy he thought he would have. Because God's legacy is bigger than empire. It's bigger than all the stuff we see around us today. Because in God's kingdom, the remarkable not only can happen, but it does happen. All the time. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.